This is The Book of Life, a podcast that uncovers life lessons from Judaism's most important book, helping you power your day with purpose. Here is Ruchi Koval. When my husband and I were first married, I used to startle every time he walked into the room. I just wasn't used to him being there with me all the time. Finally, after this happened several times, he looked at me with a look of confusion on his face and said, you know, I do live here now. We both laughed, but wow, that story happened 27 years ago, and I've never forgotten it. Sometimes it's easy to sneak up on people and startle them. It's easy to spy on kids and spouses and use stealth tactics if you're trying to get information on someone whom you suspect is not being totally honest with you. But this is really not the most considerate way to go about things. I remember when I was teaching in high school years ago, and I was in touch with a therapist about her client who was my student. I asked her when she would disclose something confidential that her client told her if she felt it was important and necessary. She told me that even though there is client confidentiality, the students were under the age of 18 and, therefore, she was legally permitted to disclose information to the parents if need be. But she said that she only used that sparingly and only when someone was in danger. And she would always tell the teen first that she would be disclosing that information to the parents. No surprises. This concept of full disclosure is how we build trust and create safety in relationships. I get a lot of questions in my parent coaching from parents of middle schoolers asking if they should spy on their kids' phones and social media. While I am definitely a fan of keeping tabs on what your kids are doing online, I am not a fan of lying and sneaking around while they're sleeping. If you're going to check your kids, fine. Let your kids know that you'll be checking their phone. If you don't have trust, you don't have anything. Your kids can always outsmart you electronically. But if there's a culture of trust, they won't be as likely to do so. In the Torah this week, we learn about the special clothing that the priests wore in the temple in Jerusalem. There was one interesting detail on one of the robes worn only by the high priest. The Torah instructs that small golden bells in the shape of pomegranates should be sewn along the hem of the robe. Actually, in the summer of 2011, a golden bell ornament was discovered by archaeologists near an ancient drainage canal next to the Western Wall. It seems quite likely that that was one of the bells from the robe of the high priest. What was the purpose of the bell? One of the reasons was to alert people that he would be coming. I would imagine that the high priest would be one of the most intimidating people you could hope to meet. For context, the high priest was the most spiritual leader of the entire community. He was the leader of all the priests and Levites and presided over all temple services. If a high priest was coming, you would want to be alerted so that you could be at your best and accord proper respect. We too should alert people to our arrival and let them know that we'll be coming. To this end, some people even have a practice to knock on the door of their own home to let family members know someone is entering. And we should definitely be careful to knock on the door of someone else's room before we enter. 
If my daughter is playing in a room with her friend, I'll give a light knock on the door before I go in, taking a page from the high priest playbook to give people the respect and consideration of alerting them that you are coming before you barge in. Everyone deserves their space, and everyone deserves their privacy. But I think there's a bigger message here, too. Symbolically, I think it's important for us to keep our loved ones in the loop. It seems we all have attention span issues these days, and what I find happens sometimes is that there is a whole rich conversation going on in our heads when we are talking to someone, but we sometimes forget that we haven't said anything out loud. So we can jump from conversation point to conversation point without ever cluing others in on the rapid journey going on in our brains. Sometimes my friends or husband and I find this funny, but it can be frustrating when people neglect to share where they are, so to speak, with those around them. We have to remind ourselves that the people we are with are not mind readers. If we don't let them know where we're at and how we're feeling and what we're thinking and what's going on in our minds, how can they possibly know? So much pain and so much guesswork could be eliminated if we simply remember to alert one another to where we are and where we're going. It can be really hard sometimes to talk about these journeys and to disclose where we are because sometimes we ourselves don't even know. But even the attempt is valuable. And sometimes trying to let somebody else know what's going on is a powerful way for you to be clued into your own inner world that you would not necessarily have been able to do alone. I just finished reading a memoir called My Wife Said You May Want to Marry Me by Jason B. Rosenthal. Jason lost his wife, author Amy Krauss Rosenthal, in her 50s to ovarian cancer after 26 beautiful years of marriage. In the book, Jason describes how hard it is for those who are grieving to let others into their inner world of grief and especially how hard it can be culturally for men. Jason so beautifully insists that no matter how much resistance one may have to sharing their feelings, it must be done, whether that release happens in a group, with a therapist, a family member, or a trusted friend. Everyone benefits from this release. Jason focuses on the benefit to the bereaved, but I think it's fair to say that those of us who love the bereaved feel so gratified to hear and to know and to be allowed in. It is a mutual act of kindness to allow and be allowed to hear others' messy and sometimes ugly feelings. So perhaps the next time you find yourself stuck in a relationship or stuck in an emotion or stuck in a dilemma, remember the golden pomegranate bells and ask yourself, where am I going? Am I letting others into my inner world? Into my journey? Meditate on the image of those pomegranate bells and remember that it is the highest form of respect and consideration to allow others to know you. This is the Book of Life. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Momentum Podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Join Rookie again next time for more meaning and inspiration from Judaism's most important book to power your day with purpose.
You're listening to a Momentum Podcast. For unlimited inspiration, wisdom, and empowerment, visit MomentumUnlimited.org.